Welcome everyone to Balance Your Life Podcast. My name is Megan Farrell and I'm the host of this podcast and the creator of Balance by Megan. On this podcast, we talk about all things yoga, wellness, health, and spirituality with guests from around the world. So grab your crystals, grab your essential oils, and let's dive into it. Hey guys, hey, welcome back to another episode of Balance Your Life Podcast. I am Megan Farrell and I am the host of this show. And guys, if you don't know, it's the start of Shark Week. Shark Week started yesterday. This is like my Christmas, you guys. I I love Shark Week so much. It's almost as exciting as Christmas, honestly. And I just... I love this week so much. I feel like Shark Week diehards get it. They know. It's just so much fun. Like, I love the ocean. I love everything to do with sharks, right? It means ocean, usually tropical waters. Not always. Not always. Sometimes it's cold waters, but I'm just so fascinated by it. So, if you don't know, now you know. And you're welcome. (laughs) You guys... Today on the podcast, I am joined by the queen of yin yoga on YouTube, Cassandra Reinhardt. I asked Cassandra a little while ago to come on the show. It's been a little bit of finessing to get her on, but we finally did it. We finally got her on, and it was a really exciting episode for me. It was a really full circle moment for me. You'll hear why in the podcast episode, and I just love learning from people who are in this space and as to why they got started on yoga. And if you don't know who Cassandra is, you definitely have to go check her out. I love her yin yoga classes on YouTube. I practice yin yoga a couple of times a week. It's made a huge difference when it comes to flexibility in my body. It's also given me the opportunity to really slow down. I'm someone who is very fast-paced, very go, go, go. It took a little while for me to get into yin yoga, and you'll hear Cassandra talk about that as well. But it's literally one of my favorite forms of yoga to practice. It's very calming. Like I said, it's as far as the physical aspect of it, it's helped me with my flexibility. It's helped with injury prevention. It's helped with my meditation practice. I always feel calmer and more centered after doing a yin yoga session. I feel like everybody could use a little bit of yin yoga in their life. Cassandra is an Ottawa-based yoga instructor on a mission to help others feel great with yoga. Her Yoga with Cassandra YouTube channel has more than 600 yoga classes with a community of 1.5 million subscribers. She is the author of the book Yin Yoga, Stretch the Mindful Way, and she specializes in yin and vinyasa yoga. On this episode, we talk about practicing vinyasa yin and forest yoga, what each of these practices did for her and her experience with all three styles, as well as how to make the most out of yin yoga. We also discuss when yoga became more than just physical exercise for her, jumping at the opportunity to take a yoga teacher training, her wellness routines she incorporates into her daily life, including smoothies, her sleep routine, daily movement, and so much more. Cassandra was a true gem on today's podcast episode. I know you guys are going to gain so much value from this episode. You know what's better than getting an amazing night of sleep? 
nothing. (laughs) We know the importance of sleep, but how many of us actually get a good night's rest? Cue in CBD. CBD has been a game changer when it comes to getting my beauty sleep. Not only does it help with sleep, but there are a variety of other benefits, including helping with anxiety, pain relief, inflammation, overall health, and so much more. This CBD is hemp-derived, there's no THC, and it's all organic. For the time being, this specific product is only available in Canada. You can email me today to personally find a fit that works for you. Plus, there's free shipping over $100. I like making my life super simple, especially when it comes to eating healthy, which is why I am such a fan of 310 Nutrition's Mixed Greens Blend. Their mission is to help their customers improve their lives by providing proven solutions that fit their lifestyle. 310 Nutrition wants to help their customers to develop the habit of eating clean, staying active with the support of an engaged community, and start the journey to healthy living. So what I do is I add a variety of berries, some pineapple, peaches, and a banana to a blender. I add a scoop of the mixed greens to it, as well as their turmeric capsules, except I take the turmeric out of the capsules and just add the powder to the blender. I also add in some algae tablets. I add in water. I blend it all up and I am good to go. Right now, 310 Nutrition is offering 10% off to my community by using discount code MBALANCE at checkout. That's discount code MBALANCE at checkout for 10% off of your order. Go and get the mixed greens powder blend. Okay, you guys, with that, please welcome Cassandra Reinhardt to the Balance Your Life podcast. Welcome to the show, Cassandra. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Can you give our listeners a little background of who you are and where in the world you are currently joining me from today? Sure. So I live in Cumberland, Ontario. It's just a little bit outside of Ottawa, and I started teaching yoga in Ottawa, maybe, I guess time is flying. I graduated in 2013 and I was already teaching at that point. So it's been, it's been a while now, I guess. And originally I was teaching, you know, in studios and community centers and all that stuff. But in 2014, I created my yoga with Cassandra YouTube channel, which is now pretty much the only venue in which I teach. Um, I'm a fully online yoga teacher. Of course, some of this is because of the pandemic. So, you know, in-person studios are closed. And I also moved to the country, so I'm further away. But yeah, I'm an online yoga teacher. Just celebrated seven years, I guess, now on YouTube. And it's uh, it's quite different from the regular studio teacher life, but it's a lot of fun. Amazing. I'm so curious, too, because teaching for seven years, it's such an accomplishment. But I would love to even back right up to the very start. And I'm curious, how did you even get started on your yoga journey? Um, I grew up doing a lot of ballet. I was a dancer, mainly, and that was my only interest. I wasn't really interested in trying any other form of movement or exercise. And I certainly didn't know much about yoga. I definitely didn't know anything about the spiritual practice of yoga. But when I was maybe, I think, 17 or 18 years old, 
it was recommended to me that I try yoga as a way to just be more flexible and a little bit stronger, simply as a way to complement my dancing. So I was not very flexible uh, as a dancer. It was always like a weakness that I had, a really big difficulty and a pain point for me. So I just, you know, took a few drop-in yoga classes and it wasn't necessarily like a love at first sight. I would take a few classes now and again, maybe once or twice a month. And then I increased the frequency once I figured out the style that I enjoyed and also the teacher that I enjoyed or a few teachers that I really connected and clicked with. Um, at which point I really dove in and started developing, cultivating a more consistent practice. This was in 2008, I believe. And eventually I just ended up kind of leaving the world of dance and completely moving into yoga. It was just a lot better for me physically. I was making, you know, great progress in terms of flexibility, balance, strength, all of that, but also mentally and spiritually, it was definitely what I needed at the time as someone who was very, very anxious and just very preoccupied with myself <laughs> in a lot of ways and with the world. So that's, that's kind of how it happened. It really took finding the right style and the right teacher for it to really click into place. And then, yeah, I haven't really looked back ever since. I love hearing that you were a dancer and you came to yoga. I feel like there's so many dancers that come to yoga. And I mean, in my mind, when I think of dancers, especially ballet, I mean, I did dance for like three years, like a hot minute. But I already feel like you guys are so flexible like I'm always so like in awe of how like I feel like how high you guys can get your legs but it, do you feel like that's a commonality of like dancers needing to improve flexibility or maybe it's this combination of building strength and flexibility I mean we definitely see a lot of athletes in general turn to yoga for a lot of people yoga is not something that they're exploring necessarily because they're trying to you know go on a spiritual path especially in the western world yoga is really marketed as just a physical form of exercise it's just physical movement and that was totally how i was presented and fell into it and for me what i noticed there are a lot of athletes there are a lot of dancers that end up going to yoga classes and kind of falling in love with it I don't know that it's necessarily the flexibility that that's appealing, but one thing that's a huge advantage for dancers is that we have great body awareness and that does translate really well into yoga. I remember that's something that one of my first teachers said, you know, she was giving me an assist in some kind of pose, helping me out. I was having a hard time. And she was like, God, I just love working with dancers because you guys are so aware of every single inch of your body because we're literally like trained and beaten, to, you know, into submission to do that. So we get it. But that to me was like a really nice appeal. It was a different way for me to use my body. And it was a different way for me to connect my body with my mind with my emotions with my spirit there was just a different depth there that i really liked and i think for athletes who go into yoga they're going into it mainly for cross training purposes but i think a lot of them are staying not necessarily for cross training but because of the mental ease it brings them yeah that's awesome i'm curious when you found like your rhythm within yoga what was 
that style of yoga that you were like, this is working for me. You know, I'm feeling really good in my body, but I'm also noticing these mental and physical and emotional aspects that are starting to play out for me. Uh, There were three styles that I was practicing very consistently. And two of those are still, two of those are still styles that I practice and teach today. So vinyasa was a big one. So finding a really great vinyasa yoga instructor played a key role in that. And I'm mainly a vinyasa practitioner and teacher as well as yin yoga. Yin was really where the growth happened for me in a lot of ways in all the ways, really, it made me more flexible. It made my joints healthier and stronger, but it also really allowed me to go inwards in a way that I hadn't been able to access in a vinyasa or forest yoga practice, which is the third style that I was doing a lot because my instructor that I was, you know, studying with, she was a vinyasa and forest yoga instructor. So I was doing both of those But once I tried yin, that's really when things kind of clicked into place and I really understood the power of this practice. I'm a very fast-paced, goal-oriented, you know, A-type of person. And especially as an athlete, when you're very driven, very determined, you can be very hard on your body, you can be very hard on yourself. I found that in those faster classes, the more energetic ones like vinyasa, forest, power, hatha, all of that, all the the ones that I really love, I just found it was easier for me to be completely disconnected in my practice. You know, I could kind of disassociate and just fling my body around. Um, Of course, there's a way to practice those very mindfully and to be very aware and present. And now that I'm, you know, 13 years into practicing, I can do that. But in the beginning, I was only really able to settle and to be still and to be present with my thoughts, with my emotions, when I was practicing yin yoga. So that ended up being a huge part of my practice overall. And now it's, you know, I mainly, I do like 50% vinyasa and 50% yin yoga. Those are really, to me, the ones that have had the biggest impact in my life overall. It's so funny. And I just want to give this like a little bit of a full circle moment. So during my yoga teacher training, we had to teach with, we had to take so many classes with so many teachers to get, find the different styles and practice them and embody them. And one of my teachers was teaching yin. And I was like, Jen, there's no way I'm doing yin. Like I just like, no, I'm not doing it. I feel like there's no point to it. I just feel like I'm sitting there and she had gotten started because of you. She had found you on YouTube and she's like, no, nobody else is doing this. Like, it'll change your life. Like you have to try it. And I had no other choice but to do this. And it took me three classes to get into the rhythm of it. And yin is probably one of my favorite styles to practice now. There's just something about it, but it's, yeah, there's this like little, like you have to like make yourself kind of do it for me, I was like forced to do it. I was like, well, I have to get five classes with her. And it was that third class. I remember being in it and just bawling my eyes out being like, this is amazing. Like this, I just feel good. There's something about being like in a meditative position and a meditative state and, you know, while also doing something. So 
I was just, I find it so funny that there's like this full circle moment of like, now I'm having this conversation with you about yin and how it (laughs) took you a little bit to get into it as well. Oh yeah. And it's very normal. It's rare to find people who try yin the first time in my experience anyway, and they love it right away. I know for me, it took, it took a few classes as well. I could logically see the appeal of why I needed it and why it was good for me but I wasn't necessarily enjoying every single minute of that experience and part of it was just because I was approaching it with the wrong mentality you know I came again like this athletic background of pushing until you just can't push anymore and I was able to copy and paste that and transpose it into my vinyasa practice and push to hold a pose longer, push for the inversion, push for the arm balance, whatever, you know, whatever I thought was like the goal at at that point when I was younger, all of a sudden I got into yin and unfortunately I would apply that same mentality. So I would try to push to the edge of my flexibility and to really get as deep as I physically could in the pose And of course, like you're in the pose for five minutes, it's excruciating if you're doing it in that way. So it's only once I figured out like, oh, you have to hold back. Like you're not supposed to go all the way. You're not supposed to be chasing sensation or chasing intensity. This whole concept of less is more was like a completely different language to me, but one that I absolutely needed to learn. So it's normal not to love it at first. And I would just hope that if people are trying it at home and it's not really what they're you know, they, they say it's not their cup of tea or they're not really sure that it's the right fit for them. I would hope that they would give it like five classes worth of a shot, you know, because it really does have an amazing amount of benefits and a whole lot of potential, but it's, it's a journey. It's not a quick reward the way other forms of movement might be like that quick reward. I've had tons of people so far on this podcast and you could go through each one and anyone who's brought up yin has said i love it like i didn't think i would but it's absolutely one of my favorite styles just a little off the route of what we were talking about i'm curious i've never heard of it what's forest yoga uh it's a style of yoga that was developed by this woman named anna forest it's very core work oriented Um, She uses props in a very unique, challenging way. And it's just a very, very, very triggering form of yoga in a very, I mean, I loved it. I crave that kind of stuff. It's a really great, if anyone's into like shadow work, forest yoga will get you there. It'll really kind of make you confront your own internal dialogue and your own self-imposed limits. It's a very confronting style of yoga. That's kind of the only way I can explain it. I'm not trained in forest yoga. I know like, I think Anna still offers trainings and, you know, I've done some of her classes and I, I took classes from the teachers that she had personally trained. But what I'll remember for my whole life is the abdominal work, the core work. She's really, really known for that. It's a, it's brutal. It's a brutal form of yoga, but it's very transformative if you allow it to be. And even though I'm using words like you know, challenging and hard and brutal. I don't mean to say that it's all about very advanced yoga poses. You can do forest yoga, even as a beginner, even if you, you know, have limited range of motion, flexibility, strength, all that stuff. I mean, it's brutal in the sense that it really takes you out of your comfort zone in a lot of different ways. So it was great. I just don't really practice it anymore and I'm not certified, so I can't teach it. 
No, so thank you for clarifying that because the first image in my head was cool. They did like yoga outside in a forest. That sounds like right <laughs> yeah. <up> my alley. <laughs> uh, awesome. I'm curious. You said at one point that you came to yoga for the physical aspect of it, and I feel like that's a lot of people. They come to it either create flexibility, get more tone, get in better shape, like whatever it is. When did it become more than just a physical aspect for you? When did you start? recognizing that it was having like this incredible impact mentally and emotionally for you? Um, I think it was a gradual process. I think even if you're coming to yoga strictly for the physical benefits, you can't help but notice how you feel after class, right? There, there is for the most part, some kind of release, some kind of spaciousness that gets created not only in your body, but like spaciousness in your thoughts in your ability to breathe a little bit deeper. So I would definitely notice that I feel really good after I go to a yoga class and it seems to have an effect for many hours, even after class, you know, even when I'm driving my car on the way back from the studio, I'm not as irritated with traffic or things like that. So I knew that there was something there. Yin was probably that like second step that really solidified the mind body connection to me and really you know, there's this great book that many people are familiar with, which is like, uh, the body keeps the score. And it's all about how trauma, emotions, memories get trapped inside our physical bodies, you know, and when we release physical tension, it becomes easier for us to release mental and physical tension as well. So yin was that first really solid introduction to that for me. And that really got me deeper into it. And then it's just when I did my teacher training. So once I actually signed up to become teacher and did my 200 hour training, there was this, you know, deep dive into uh, the history of yoga, the philosophy of yoga, the ethics surrounding it and the eight limbs of yoga. So that was the next part of the journey that really got me into the depth of what yoga really means. You know, we've kind of morphed yoga. Like now when we say yoga, there's kind of two different meanings to it, right? There's like Eastern yoga, traditional yoga, but then there's also the yoga that we package and sell and market in the West, which is just like a form of movement and a form of exercise. And it's almost like they branched out so far away from each other. I don't know if they'll ever meet or connect and reach back in the middle again, but certainly we're trying and I'm trying. But once I took that teacher training, I was like, oh, wow, this thing that I've been doing and that I've been practicing for a few years is so much bigger and greater than I ever even knew. And teachers barely have the time to talk about it in their 60 minute classes. You know, we have such constraints because of studios and gyms and the environments in which we're presenting this deep, rich spiritual practice. Um, so training, teacher training was definitely like that big entry point for me to deepen the knowledge. And then I just kept taking trainings ever since then, basically. I know we always joke that it's like drinking the Kool-Aid. Like once you take a teacher training, there's just no stopping. Yeah. I'm curious, what made you decide to take your teacher training? Did you know you wanted to go off and teach this? Was it just to deepen your own practice at home and make it more than just the physical aspect why did you decide to take a teacher training i wanted to teach i absolutely did like i knew i would you know graduate and start teaching as soon as i possibly could i felt 
I, I don't know. I just felt a calling to it. I felt like it was a really good fit for who I was, what I was interested in, and also kind of what my natural abilities were. You know, I like speaking <laughs> in front of people. I like teaching in a variety of different ways. It just seemed like a fit, like it seemed like a really great fit for me. And when the teacher that I was studying with and practicing with, primarily Louise Cameron, she announced that she was opening a teacher training, it just felt like, okay, great, uh, you know, why not learn from you? I've already been studying with you, so let's just, you know, certify me. So I went in. I never wanted to be a full-time yoga teacher. I never had that dream or I guess even like that fantasy of doing it full-time even back then, I knew that was a very hard path to go down. Of course, now I am a full-time teacher, but it, it's very different. You know, I'm, I'm an online yoga teacher. I have like an online business. So it's, it's still not a traditional path. Um, so I knew it, I never really wanted it to be, I never had this idea or this fantasy of like wanting to teach 20 classes a week and running trainings and running retreats. I just knew that I wanted to teach in some capacity, whether that was one class or two classes a week, which is pretty much where I've always hovered and what I really enjoy. But yeah, I just jumped on the opportunity. I loved it and I knew I wanted to get in on it and learn as much as I possibly could. I love that so much. I feel like that's something I hear a lot of people say, and it's, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I, part of me kind of wishes that they would re- name it a teacher training because I think people are like well I don't want to become a teacher so like why would I take it and those of us who have done teacher training know like it's so much more than just becoming a teacher right a lot of people don't go off and teach afterwards they've just learned the philosophy the history some other modalities within yoga or within the health and wellness space but it's it's so interesting to see the people who are like oh no like I just want to go in and deepen my practice and they never teach some of them go off and teach because I feel like it's been so powerful to them that they're like I have to go and share this with other people in the world and get them to come on board with yoga because it's been so powerful and now we know it's so much more than just the physical aspect of yoga Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, even in those trainings that I've done, like the 200 hour training that I did, many of the students had no intentions of going out to teach. I just, I just knew that I did want to teach, you know, whenever they had to call on a student to come and do a demonstration or to come practice teaching in front of the class, like I would always be the first one to raise my hand. And I don't say that to be like very cocky. I just mean that I knew it was a good fit for me. Like it felt very not easy because of course it's challenging to be an instructor, but it felt like a natural flow and a natural progression. I very much felt in my element. I felt very secure and confident about my abilities at the same time, knowing that there would be decades worth of learning still to be done. You know, I knew that I knew nothing, but in what I did know, I felt very confident and comfortable sharing and teaching to others. So I was just excited to get going. Yeah. I couldn't wait to, in fact, I started teaching before I even got my certificate. (laughs) No, that's so amazing. I, I felt the same way too. It just felt so natural to me. And I remember people going and like spending hours 
you know, rehearsing everything and like making sure that they were doing it right. And it just felt like I, I don't want to say like I got it, but I just, it felt intuitive. Like I was like, I know kind of how to sequence this in a right way. But I mean, I also was doing yoga for so long. So I feel like some of it, well, not so long, but I was doing yoga every day for a few years where I felt like, oh, like I can intertwine my own unique sequences within somebody else's who I really liked the idea of. And I was also that person that was like, oh, I'll demonstrate, I'll demonstrate, I'll do it. <laughs> it's just awesome. What other sort of health and wellness practices do you incorporate into your life and how did they start and come to fruition for you? Um, well, I've kind of come full circle where I'm back to dancing now. Of course, it's different with COVID and, you know, I do some Zoom dance classes, but it's just, it's just not the same, but I have gone back to that. That's really, truly like what I do for myself and what I really love and I'm still super passionate about. I walk every day. I'm a big walker. I just, I could walk forever, <laughs> it seems. Um, and I go a little stir crazy if I don't go for daily walks. So that's really important to me. Um, other than that, I don't, I'm trying to think if I do, you know, anything else. Like my main health and wellness practice truly is yoga in all of its essence, you know, whether that's tr through meditation or through breath work um, or through yoga poses and yoga sequences. That does tend to be where. I spend the most amount of time and energy walking, dancing, trying to think. I don't think there's anything else. I'm, I might be forgetting stuff, but that's probably the main, main <laughs> things. That's okay. I'm curious. You said breathwork and meditation. Was that a natural unfolding for you in your life where you took it in your teacher training perhaps? And it's, you know, you're like, oh, I love this. I'm just going to start incorporating it or did you dabble with meditation beforehand? Like, why did you decide to start breathwork and meditation? I started it simply because it's a part of yoga. You know, you can't really separate it out. It's kind of a, a bit of a package deal, but it's definitely not something that I enjoy and gravitate towards the same way that I enjoy and gravitate towards physical movement. Stillness will always be challenging to me you know, I'm, I have the ADHD, like sitting and meditating is very challenging, but there are techniques that help make it a lot easier for me. Like walking is definitely meditative for me, but also doing like mantra meditations or like flame gazing meditation, something where like I can actively be focusing on something that's super helpful. Um, and then breath work, that's probably the part of my practice that I'm the most inconsistent with uh, as a whole because it's mainly a tool I turn towards. It's almost like I tend to forget about it until, until I remember, <laughs> you know, there's really no other way to say it. It's like while I'm practicing, of course, I'm, you know, utilizing Ujjayi breath or certain other uh, breathing techniques, but I, it's almost like I need to put it in my calendar and set an alarm for myself to do it because I very easily, I don't know, it just seems to be the thing on the, on the list of things that I know are good for me, but I tend to somehow procrastinate or find excuses on not to do. And I'm not really sure where that resistance comes from. I try my very best to be consistent with it, but 
that is, yeah, of those three elements, that's the one that I might neglect the most out of my practice. No, that totally makes sense. I was literally just talking to somebody else about the practice of yoga nidra and I've done it before. I always feel really good afterwards, but it's, that's also one of those things that I'm like, you know, you have to dedicate like 30 to 40 minutes for it, sometimes a little bit longer. And I'm like, I know it makes me feel so good and I really enjoy doing it, but it, that's also one of the things that I neglect to put into my daily practice, or I'll just be like, I have a really solid meditation in the morning practice, but like, I just don't have time for yoga nidra, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So you dance now, you said you've come back to dance. I'm curious, what did yoga give you for coming back to dance? Because I can imagine, you know, just from talking to some former dancers, it can be a very competitive space. And I'm curious, what did yoga kind of infuse into you that you've come back to yoga or sorry, to dance perhaps with a different mindset and a different mentality about it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I dance for fun. It's not like I'm competing or, you know, making a career out of it. So it's a lot more laid back, I guess. But honestly, like the biggest difference is that I, you know, I said that like dancing gives you better body awareness when you go to yoga, but then yoga builds up on that body awareness and also just knowledge of how your body works. And then I was able to take that back into dancing. So it's mainly about safety and injury prevention. That's the biggest one that I took because when I was growing up doing dance, I was getting injured all the time. I just permanently had a torn hamstring. My right hamstring was just torn. It, it's like I would get one good week and then I would be out of commission for like seven more weeks. And then I would just redo the process over and over again. My hips would hurt. My knees would hurt. You know, everything was hurting. My back was always getting thrown out. And I was so young, you know, to have all these issues. And now I'm much older. I'm 30 years old, yet I'm able to do so much more without those issues, you know, which I think is really wonderful because we talk about aging, but I feel better than I did when I was 15 years old, you know, even though I might not be able to do as much as I was able to do at 15, the health of my joints, the health of my tissues overall is so much greater. And the other thing, you know, I do have a better, a stronger sense of self while also being I guess just more confidence overall, like higher self-esteem, a higher sense of self-worth that comes through practicing yoga that makes it easier for me to go into other modalities like dance, which is competitive, which is all about how you look and the way you move and about executing things pretty perfectly, which can be really hard on your self-esteem and on your confidence overall. But I do feel like yoga if anything, it gives you a sense of perspective, right? It's all about union with something that is greater than you. So when you're able to apply that to whatever else that you might be doing in your life, it's a really useful tool because you can just kind of take a step back and be like, wait a minute, maybe this is important to me and it's worth striving for, but it's not everything, you know, like you kind of take it with a grain of salt and it gives you a great big dose of perspective for sure. Do you feel like 
because I know they talk about within yin yoga, one of the things I think that's really appealing to athletes and dancers and just people in general is this idea that yin yoga can be really great for injury do or injury prevention. Do you feel that that has helped you within the dancing space and within, you know, you said you were getting injured and stuff before and then having done yin yoga, do you feel like that has helped you prevent injury into, you know, not getting injured as frequently or as much? Yeah, absolutely. It helps a lot to just strengthen your joints overall. Um, It's one of the best things that I could have done for myself. It's also increased my flexibility more than a non-yin practice would have done. So I noticed a big change when I was strictly doing vinyasa and forest yoga, I definitely noticed some flexibility increases, which I hadn't gotten from just doing dance, but I saw the biggest jump once I started integrating yin yoga. So it had that nice kind of payoff, which I was really into um, because that was, it, it's nice to be able to like physically measure something, you know, there's always like a nice boost from that, from being able to say, here's where I was, here is where I am now. So, and that also felt really good. You know, that's the thing about flexibility. It's not necessarily all about how it looks. I find that the best thing, what I love the most about flexibility is the more flexible I am, the better I feel, the more comfortable I feel in my body. You know, that's why I care so much about flexibility. I don't care about being able to get into the splits. I just care about how nice it feels when my hamstrings are able to fully lengthen and extend and how nice that feels in my legs and my hips and my lower back. So it's not really about like the end result. But I definitely noticed that. So there was an increase in flexibility, which meant I felt better in my body overall. And then your joints also get a lot stronger. So that was really nice because my joints were getting a little crazy when I was growing up. And I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that my body was still changing. You know, I was still growing into myself. But now that I'm, you know, 30 and as I get older, I know that yin is what I'll be relying on the most in order to preserve joint health, you know, and try to keep joint deterioration at bay as much as I can. Yeah, especially being in, you know, the world that we kind of live in, I feel like there's this, I feel like we're such an extreme society. And I see a lot of people who come to me because they're super into working out, right? They're bodybuilders or they run or they do Pilates and they're so tight all the time. And I'm like, you have to find that balance of being like flexible so that you're relaxing. It's not good for the body to always be so tight and taut and relaxing. And I mean, so much of our daily life, I feel like is sitting at a computer. And I know, at least for me, if I've been sitting at the computer for a long period of time, and I go to do like a a forward fold, or I go to do like a lunge, it's like my hip flexors are like screaming, because it's like they haven't been stretched that way in so long. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. (laughs) Sitting all day is very taxing, very taxing on our bodies for sure. And I mean, I have a sit-stand desk and I never stand. <laughs> like I'm so guilty of it. I'm always sitting. But I, I do try to like, I get up a lot and I move a lot and I go and stretch a lot. I take a lot of breaks throughout the day to do some, um, some small movements and stuff. But yeah, I'm guilty of that. I sit way more than I should. It's, a, I, it's, I, it's one of the reasons I got a Fitbit. I was like, well, at least it will tell me when I need to get up and move. And yeah. half the time I feel like it goes off. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it when I'm done this. And then it's like, oh my God, it's been an hour later. Yeah. 
I, what does your yoga practice look like nowadays? Do you practice, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I do a, an hour yin yoga, Mondays and Wednesdays, I do a power flow. I'm just making something up. But what do your yoga, what does your yoga routine look like now at home? Well, I am not a structured or routine person at all. In fact, like the number one way to get me to not do something is to make me do it every day. Um, so I, you know, just the same way that like, I don't follow any specific diet. I eat very intuitively. I also move very intuitively. So I always will do like a minimum of like a 10 to 20 minute flow every day. Sometimes that will be in the morning. Like I really do like a little quick, short morning practice. I don't like to practice right when I get out of bed. Like I'll usually practice an hour or two after I've woken up or sometimes I'll do like, uh, an afternoon, like when I get a bit of an energy slump at around 3 p.m., 4 p.m., I'll do that. Or another thing that I, like the other third option that I tend to do the most is right before going to bed. So right before going to bed, I'll usually go in my space that I'm in here, in my little yoga studio, and I'll do a yin yoga practice. And that might be 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll end up being, you know, two hours will have gone by and I'm still on my mat because I do like when it's my own personal practice, I do very, very long holds, but it, it's super, super varies. The only thing that I'm like always consistent with, and it's in my calendar, like every Thursday at 1230 PM, I have like a one-on-one -on -one workout with my friend, Kristen, who she does her own like workout style, like a mat workout called core Pilates. So, you know, but that's because I pay her, like I'm accountable. I have to show up to our session, you know, so that like really keeps me on the ball to follow through. But in terms of my yoga practice, it is very, very fluid. It is very, it just changes. It's whatever I need it to be that day. Sometimes I will take online classes. You know, I'm an online yoga teacher and I do like to take online yoga classes from time to time. So, you know, recently I just finished like a five week, a five week kundalini uh session with a friend of mine so it was like tuesdays at 10 a.m we had a 90 minute kundalini practice and i did that for five weeks but it's just yeah i don't know it changes a lot it changes by the season changes by my mood and it also changes by my schedule really that tends to be what dictates how my day is going to go and when i get to practice I totally, totally get that. Is there anything, I know you said, you know, you walk a lot, you do some breath work and some meditation. Is there anything else that you do daily? Like, you know, I make sure that I drink this amount of water or, you know, I make this smoothie that I'm really into because, you know, I, maybe I don't eat enough fruit or vegetable. Is there anything like daily that has just become a non-negotiable for you? Well, both of those things actually. So I think like a non-negotiable, I sleep at least eight hours a night, eight to nine hours. That is just, I will never not do that. <laughs> I do struggle with insomnia. I have insomnia flare-ups from time to time, which means that when I'm sleeping good, I sleep good. And I make sure that I get those eight and nine hours because anyone who struggle with insomnia, when you have those flare-ups, they are absolutely brutal. So I love sleep and I try to get really good 
I have a really good sleep routine. You know, I'm never in bed past 10.30 or 11 p.m. That would be like so late for me. <laughs> I'm a pretty, you know, I go to bed fairly early. I drink a ton of water. I love water. It's easy for me to get, you know, at least two liters a day. I do have a green smoothie every morning. That was something, it was a non-negotiable for me for years. And then I don't know why, but once the pandemic started, I kind of stopped with my smoothie and I'm back on it now. Um, so it's always a green smoothie. It's basically like a liquid salad with some fruit. I love it. <laughs> what else? I think the only other thing that I'm like, I do every, every single night without fail. Um, I always journal a little bit right before bed, just a few sentences. It's like a five-year journal. So every day, like the journal lasts you five years and you can look over what you wrote that same day a year ago and the year before and all that stuff. So you only have room to write maybe five sentences. And I found that that's been key for me because anything longer and I won't do it, it just takes too much time. But I'm on year three now of that journal and I, I've barely missed maybe, maybe 10 days in the last, you know, three years I've missed. And it's because I've was traveling or, you know, passed out because I was sick or something like that. But I'm pretty consistent with that. Awesome. No, I'm the same way too. I, for the longest time I was seeing everything about like the morning pages and people were like, Oh, you know, I take like 15 to 20 minutes to write in a journal. And I was like, that seems so unappealing to me. And it was one thing that I, I really did try, but I feel like I, I got into this habit of doing like this gratitude journal at night. And I know a lot of people do it in the morning. For me, it was easier to sit down at night and just to bang out a couple of sentences, you know, three to five things I was grateful for. But that was also like trying a few different things. And I think, you know, this theme keeps coming up when I'm talking to people of just trying things to find like what works for you and you know, not seeing what other people are doing and it's making them, you know, healthier, happier, more successful, and just like beating to your own drum and doing things that feel really good for you. Yeah. And I think it's also just having the freedom to just stop doing any of those things and do a different one altogether. Like I really feel like so often when people begin some kind of healthy activity, whether it's healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, it can very easily overtake your entire personality. And like, this is who you are now. And this is what you do. And you are now an advocate for this technique and this method or this good thing, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, okay, that's working for you now. If it doesn't feel good in a month or if you decide to skip it for a week, that's fine. You know, like even practicing yoga every day, like it, it's amazing if you're able to do that. And if you do that every day, it's also fine if you don't, <laughs> it's just, it's not a big deal. Like who are you? We're supposed to do these things for ourselves, right? So that we can be more at peace, that we can feel more connected to our own being into something greater than us so that we can show up a little bit better in the world. It's not about checking something off of a to-do list. You know, I think we lose the purpose if we're so focused on these are the 20 things in my morning routine and these are the 10 things in my evening routine. And I have to do every single one in order to be healthy, happy, and successful. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that works, but I know that doesn't work for me. Like, I will feel my best and I will be my best when I have the freedom to explore and to keep the things that work and to drop the ones that don't without this expectation that I am less of a teacher or less of 
I don't know, a good person if I'm not doing every single item on this good person list, you know, or good yoga teacher list. You know, I just, I don't, it's just not for me. <laughs> it just, everything I do changes so often, which is why every time people are asking like, what's your morning routine? You know, I've done so many of these podcasts where people ask my morning routines and I'm like, man, I bet if I listen to all of those podcasts, my morning routine will be totally different in each podcast because it has been different. It has changed over the years and from month to month, but it's just, it's fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> It'll probably change in a month. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I feel like that's the one thing too, that yoga has given me is this idea of like, being okay with where you are at now, knowing that things will potentially change. Maybe not. Maybe you have the same routine forever. Um, but it's just, it's also being okay with like who you are as a person and not trying to appease to other people and knowing that like your tribe will come to you. And if they don't, then they're not your people. And maybe they never join you. Maybe they join you in a year or two, but just yeah, I feel like that yoga has given me it. It's funny to think that it's given me the permission to actually be myself and to love myself in a way that, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Yoga's, get it, I get it. You get it. Yeah. I feel like yogis will get it. They'll be like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah. And really like, I don't say this because I don't want people to misunderstand. There's also a time and a place for discipline and discipline is a value and it is part of our ethics, you know? So I will sometimes really implement discipline around some kind of practice that I want to be more mindful and more consistent with. And that certainly has, you know, sometimes I will be a little too lazy, a little too lax, all in the name of self-love and going with the flow. Sometimes that's a bit of BS, you know, I'm just being a little lazy and I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to actually do the work. And sometimes we do need to roll up our sleeves and actually do the work. Yoga isn't always necessarily about doing things that feel good. Sometimes the poses you need, the practices you need are the ones you have the most resistance towards. And it's the same with routine with structure with um you know any kind of technique or cleanse that you're not really feeling called to do but sometimes it absolutely is beneficial for you to do and there can be great 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 spiritual growth and strength gained from doing something that you don't want to do for an extended period of time but that is a massive weakness of mine i don't you know, I have such an aversion sometimes to structure and to be being told, you know, to being on like a program, like any 30 day challenge or whatever, like I'm just, those are so hard for me, but they're also extremely beneficial for me because they're so hard. You know, I do have to actively make myself turn towards discomfort and turn towards resistance and just like you only get that reward once you go through those trials and tribulations, you know, you actually have to put in the work in order to get the relief, the release, the knowledge, like the, the little bit of nugget and wisdom that comes from doing something you didn't want to do for those 30 days or 90 days or whatever it is. So 
it's balance, you know, yes, I can take it or leave it and be really super relaxed and chill and no routine. But sometimes I also know that it's, you know, I need a little kick in the butt and I need to get back to like discipline and structure because it's for my greater good. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want people to know if they're starting their own yoga health and wellness journey or any sort of tip or trick that you have found really beneficial in your life that you would give to somebody who's brand new? Um, you know, I think what helped me the best in the beginning was finding a teacher that I resonated with. So treat it almost like, like a bingo, like you're trying at least 12 classes, you know, like try a few different teachers, a few different styles until you find the one that suits your needs and that resonates with you. And for those of you who've been practicing for a while and are feeling uninspired or a little stagnant, you also need to go and try another teacher and try another style. You know, I get so many people who are like so loyal to me and they're so dedicated and they've been studying, practicing with me for seven years. You know, they've done all of my videos and that's so amazing, but I'm always encouraging them to go try other teachers as well. That's really an amazing opportunity to learn and to deepen your experience of yoga overall. I only know what I know and I can only share from my perspective. And I truly believe that like a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm not in competition with any other yoga instructor out there. Like I really do encourage whoever follows me to like fly the nest and go also experience other teachers and other disciplines because they're, if anything, even if you try another instructor and you're like, oh, I don't really like that style as much. I don't like the way that he or she cued this. I prefer Cassandra's method. That's fine. Like you learned from that, you know, and you grew going out of your comfort zone, doing those things that you don't necessarily want to do is one of the best ways that you can really, really accelerate your learning and your own self-study. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. Before I end our conversation and I send people to go check you out, maybe on YouTube, maybe on Instagram. I know you're not teaching in studio right now, but you know, any way that they can connect with you, we have a five question little bonus round. So it's just okay. five simple questions to get to know you in a different way. Perfect. Let's go. So number one is what is a podcast book or resource that has brought you value and you want to share with the audience? Ooh, just one. Oh my gosh. That's tough. You can say, um, <laughs> well, you know what? Louise Hay, I've, I've said this many times, but it's still true to this day. Louise Hay was one of the greatest um, teachers that I've experienced. So any book, any audio meditation you can get your hands on. That's what I would go for. Awesome. Question number two is who is your favorite person or influencer to look up to for inspiration? Oh man. I, it's like, why can't I think of even one name? <laughs> I'm like, I know I admire like hundreds of people, you know, I probably talk about them all the time and now I'm like, I'm not really, well, yoga with Adrian, yoga with Adrian. She's at almost 10 million subscribers on YouTube now. It's, just amazing. Like she truly helped to pave the way for the now hundreds of yoga teachers who have their own channels on YouTube and really was like that first pillar to 
bring yoga to the masses in a free accessible way. She did. Yeah. She did a lot. What she's built with her team, of course, is amazing. Like extremely, extremely. Yeah. Definitely look up to her for sure. Yeah. She's awesome. I remember doing some of her videos at the start and my husband has since come on board with yoga, but his whole thing, he was like, I love that dog. Like I will do these classes as long as that dog is in the video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'll get you. Question number three is what are you grateful for today? Um, my new home, we moved to the country and that's been probably the biggest blessing in this pandemic for sure. Just a lot more time in nature, a lot more time in quiet. Yeah. Very grateful for that every day. Awesome. My fourth question for you is what is your spirit animal? A cat. It has to be a cat. I, I hope you can't hear them. I'm fostering five cats right now. So they're like little kittens in the room and they're just waking up and they're going crazy. But yeah, I love cats. I love their independence. I love their little humor. They're cute. They're cuddly. Honestly, what's not to love? I'll never understand people who don't like cats. (laughs) (laughs) My final question for you is what is your favorite form of self-care to practice? Hmm. It's probably, it's probably a toss up between two. So, okay, three, three, I'm going to give you three daily walks, non-negotiable that happens every time has a massive impact on my physical, emotional, and mental well-being. I like to do baths, like nice long bath rituals. That's wonderful. And then therapy, number three, regular therapy sessions. That's the best thing we can do for self-care. <laughs> awesome. This has been such a fun conversation. If people want to check you out, maybe they want to connect with you, where can everybody go and find you? If you just search Yoga with Cassandra on Google, you can find my website, my YouTube channel. There's like 600 videos and yoga classes up there now, so a lot to choose from. It's just Cassandra with a K. Awesome. Cassandra, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I can't wait for people to listen to this and to go and check you out afterwards. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you give it a five-star rating and review. It takes two moments of your time and truly does make a difference in growing this community and showing support for the show. Make sure to stop by and say hi on social media, take a screenshot of this episode, tag our guest, tag me and hashtag the show, hashtag BYL podcast, Share it out on your Instagram stories so that we can share it out on ours and I will make sure to slide into your DMs to say hello. Until next Monday, everyone, I can't wait to see you then. Namaste.